I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. This is a a popular verse, a uh, oft-chosen life verse, and I believe Amy's, uh, she's gone to be in the children's church, but her senior class, or her her class in high school, this this was their class verse, and uh, it's... It's a beautiful verse, and it's a healthy reminder, and I pray that as we uh, look at it this morning that we would be reminded of things that we've known, but also maybe have new thoughts that God will give us and a new perspective on this verse. Before we get into it, let's go ahead and let's just go recite this a few times together. Uh, Repetition is how we memorize So let's go ahead and we're going to have it up there on the board and uh, just read along with me. Let's uh, apply this to our minds and our hearts this morning. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. All right, let's take away some of those words and, and so as we read through, let's try to fill in those blanks as we as we do it. Let's say this again. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. All right, it gets difficult fast, doesn't it? We could repeat it five or six times and just take away a few words each time, but... That might take a bit too long. So let's try this one last time. One last time together, shall we? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. And I've seen where uh, some people suggest it might even be understood as a, a hopeful future. But... Plans to future and a hope. And that is definitely our focus this morning, is God's plans. That God does have plans. And He has plans for the world. He has plans for different nations. He has plans for families. And He has plans for individuals. And overwhelmingly, His plans, His desires, His goals are on the positive side. But we need to remember as we look at this verse, this passage, uh, we have to recognize this is not being spoken to us directly. When God said this, it was in a certain historical context to a certain group of people who were going through extraordinarily difficult times. And when God is telling the Israelites that He has plans, He knows the plans that He has for them, Plans for welfare, not for calamity. And we, we take that kind of what we call helicopter. You know, you have helicopter parenting where you just come in and take care of your kid. And this we might call helicopter verse usage where we, oh, this is a great verse. I'm just going to take it out of its context and apply it to myself. We have to be careful about doing that. That, that God is not speaking directly to us, but we can say because this is in God's Word, that He is speaking to us. But we have to recognize He was originally talking to a specific group of people through the prophet Jeremiah. 
In fact, what we, what we see here in the context is the Babylonian captivity. The exiles being taken out of Judea to Babylon as punishment for idolatry and for not relying upon the Lord. And we also see, and I believe part of it was that they didn't obey the law specifically in regards to the land that the land of Israel was supposed to every seven years have a Sabbath rest. And it seems like the Israelites didn't do that for a very long time because God specifies that they are going to be gone for a certain amount of time so that His land might have rest. So this is the context, and we see that in verse 10. If we just take the immediate context of 10-12, through 12, we see that God says, "...for thus says the Lord..." And, and whenever you see Lord with all caps like that, that's the, the name of God, Yahweh, being changed to Lord because we don't know how to pronounce it and there are views against using His name specifically. So whenever you see that, no, we're not talking about Lord as in Master, but that is His name. This is, this is personal for God. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon... I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. So, so we've got to understand that this, this verse that we love so much, for I know the plans I have for you, it's in the context of what He is currently doing to them, which is sending them. They are actually already in exile. So just think about what these people have gone through. These are the people that were put in shackles. Sometimes we're, they're described as being led by fish hooks, and we wonder what is... What does that mean? And it's possible that they had literal fish hooks shoved through their noses and they were dragged out of Jerusalem naked as spoils of war. They are the people who were taken out of Judah to Babylon as spoils of war. And people like Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, young boys who were taken away and made to be eunuchs in the king, in the, uh, in the, in the, the um, I'm, I'm just losing that word that I want so bad. <laughs> in, in the service of Nebuchadnezzar, I'll just use that word instead. Their life has been ruined. Their, their loved ones may have been killed. They may have been ripped away from their loved ones. They have been abused. They have been mocked. Psalms tells us that these people, they, they sat down by the river of Babylon and they say, we hung up our lyres. We, we were mocked by the Babylonians. You know, play us the songs. Play us your songs of Jerusalem. And they said, we, we don't want to sing any songs. And, and there's, a, there's a curious thing right at the end of that psalm where they say, how blessed are the ones who pay you back for what you have done to us. How, how blessed will be the one who dashes your babies against the rocks. So these are people who have experienced bitter 
bitter experience, uh, circumstances. They have lost their children. They have lost their families. They have lost their homes. They have lost their land. And yet, these are the people that God is saying, there's a specific time for this. 70 years. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? 70 years is not that long. Nebuchadnezzar is at the height of his power. He is in charge of all things. And in fact, God has told them that Nebuchadnezzar is his chosen servant. He is pleased with Nebuchadnezzar and he has given all the world into Nebuchadnezzar's hands. And Nebuchadnezzar and his son and then his grandson. But then God says, but the time is going to come when I'm going to judge Nebuchadnezzar's household too. And other kings are going to come in and completely wipe him out and do to him what he has done to you. And God has set that time that it would be 70 years. And after 70 years, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. Now, they are already in Babylon. Jeremiah is in Judea, and he is writing a letter that is being taken to them. And he is saying, from Judea, someday you're going to come back. I'm going to call to you. I'm going to visit you. And I'm going to bring you back to this place. Because I know the plans I have for you. And at the present time, it may feel like I don't have a plan for you. At the present time, it may feel like I've completely forsaken and abandoned you. In the present time, it may feel like you have no future. No hope. In fact, that word future is an interesting word. It means the end. It's often used about people who will, uh, if, if we squander our lives and then we come to the last days and we will weep and gnash our teeth in our last days. Oftentimes it is with a view of the end. But he says, no, what you think will be the end is actually just going to be the beginning. It's a future. And I've got a hope for you. I've got, I've got plans that are for your welfare and not for calamity. Now, they currently are going through calamity. But he says, no, my plans, my plans are for your welfare, for literally for peace, shalom. I'm going to give you a future and a hope. That's what he's wanting to do with them. And so as we look at this, we have to recognize that God isn't speaking specifically to us. That, that we are not in captivity that we are not exiles, that we haven't had everything ripped away from us, so we really aren't quite on the same level as the people he was speaking to as far as the struggles that we're facing. And yet we can acknowledge that there are universal truths and, and that God has plans for us too. And they're not the same plans he had for these people, but we've got to recognize he does have plans. Remember last week in Romans eight twenty eight, we saw those are called according to his purpose to his goals to his end mind that's that entails a plan and the word plans here is actually literally for i know the thoughts i think of you we understand that to mean plans or designs but when you you think about when you plan something what do you do you think about what you're going to do whether you plan a trip whether you plan a project, you're thinking about how am I going to do this? How am I going to make this work? Which direction am I going to go? Where am I going to be the night? How far do I plan to go each day? Where are we going to get our water? These are the plans that we make. We're thinking about it. And that's what God is 
He is thinking about them. He knows the thoughts. He thinks about them. He knows the thoughts He thinks about us. He knows the plans He has. And and what we can understand universally about God as we see this, plans for welfare to give you a future and a hope. He doesn't have plans for their calamity. Overwhelmingly, God desires to bless. And we can see that in here, that that even as they are in exile, even as they are going through these struggles, His overall goal and desire is to bless them. And I would say His overall goal and desire in our lives is to bless us. That, That He would give us grace, that He would help us prosper in our lives. Now, He doesn't necessarily see prosperity in the same way we do. And He doesn't always bless us in the ways we want to be blessed. It's hard to see it when you're being taken as these people were into exile, but this was a blessing. He had sent them into exile, and that ultimately was a blessing to them. It didn't feel like it to them. But God desires to bless. And one of the ways God blesses us is through, uh, not necessarily judgment, that's a bit harsher of a word than I'm wanting to go with, but discipline. As a father disciplines the son he loves, so God disciplines us. And the people are going through discipline. And He wants to bless them. Now the the struggle is that just because God wants to bless doesn't mean that's all He does. There are judgments, right? He, he is going to visit on Babylon uh, after the 70 years have been completed and He's going to destroy Babylon just as Babylon has been allowed to destroy Judea. There are other people besides these. In fact, if we go to Jeremiah 29, verse 10, so, or excuse me, we've already, I wrote that wrong. Verse 19. Excuse me, I've got a little typo in my notes. But later on in, in verse 19, he's talking to the, the exile still, but dealing with the fact that they have these prophets who are telling them this is a short-term thing, this isn't going to last very long, God is going to judge the Babylonians, God is going to redeem us and rescue us. And God is saying, no, you're listening to the wrong people, you're listening to people who haven't been sent by me, and you don't listen to the people I have sent. And so he says, because you have not listened to my words, declares the Lord, which I sent to them again and again by my servants, the prophets. But you did not listen, declares the Lord. You therefore hear the word of the Lord, all you exiles, whom I have sent away from Jerusalem to Babylon. He says, You haven't listened. So now I want you exiles. I want you to listen because the people didn't listen. I sent prophets and I sent prophets and you didn't listen. You didn't respond. You didn't return to me. You did your own thing. You were disobedient. And because of that, I've given you into the hands of the Babylonians. But his his desire for the exiles who have been sent away, and it's interesting in verse 20, or, or, yeah, verse 19, I think. I think the NIV actually translates, it sounds like, uh, you know, they have not listened to my words, declares the Lord, which I sent to them again and again by the prophets, by my servants, the prophets, but you did not listen. In my translation, it sounds like he's still talking about all the people. 
But the NIV actually translates that in such a way to sound like, and you guys didn't listen either, exiles. You know, they are all part of the problem. Nobody was listening to the prophets. Nobody was listening to what God was saying to them. But now that they have been taken into captivity, he says to them, hear the word of the Lord. All the exiles whom I have sent away from Jerusalem to Babylon, listen to me now. Listen to me now. And, and here's the thing, you know, we, we sometimes find ourselves in trouble like they're doing, and, and it might be our own doing, it might not. But if we are in trouble, and, and whether we have good times or bad times, one of the things we've got to make sure we're doing is, is are we listening to God? He, he doesn't leave us alone, He doesn't ignore us, He sends us the prophets, He gives us the Word of God, He gives us the Holy Spirit, He gives us one another to sharpen each other and encourage one another and convict one another with the Word of God when we see things going in each other's lives? Do we listen to Him? See, God wanted to, to bless His people and He desires to bless them and He's talking about a blessing to come when they'll come back. But He also wants to bless them while they're in Babylon. And one of the ways He wants to do that is to get them to wake up and listen and to obey. And that's, that's a universal thing that God wants for all people. And He definitely wants it for those of us who believe in Him. God wants, He, he calls us to listen and obey. And He might allow us to go through difficult things if we are not listening and obeying. And sometimes, if you listen and you obey, you might find yourself going through difficult things. But these people needed a wake-up call because they have been going along in their lives in Judea just like all the nations around them, they hadn't stayed focused on God. They hadn't stayed solely His. But they looked to Egypt. They looked to Babylon for help. One of the reasons why the Babylonians came and took everything is because the king of Judea called on uh, Nebuchadnezzar and his armies to help him with Assyria. And after he got help and was able to get rid of Assyria, well, now the Babylonians just came in. Because they never fully trusted God. And they obtained and they, they went off after idols and idolatry. And here's one of the great things that came out of the Babylonian captivity is the Israelites that came back. A couple of things happened to them while they were in Babylon. One, they didn't have the temple. They didn't have the primary focus and activity of their worship. They didn't have sacrifices. They didn't have the temple. So they developed the synagogue. This is where synagogue worship, which we see predominantly in Jesus' time, where he goes into the synagogues, this is when they developed those houses of worship in all their towns, the synagogue. Another thing that happened is, is if you notice, when Jesus shows up, the Israelites don't have a whole bunch of idols, do they? They don't have high places that they worship on. They don't have Asherah poles. They don't have uh, worship of Baal. In fact, the main problem is, is that they are so focused on worshiping God and Him alone that when Jesus, God in the flesh, shows up, they reject Him. But they never dealt with idolatry. Unfortunately, they became so legalistically focused on not going into idolatry that when God showed up in the flesh, they couldn't accept Him. But after the Babylonian captivity... 
They never went back to idolatry. They were fully devoted to the Lord from here on out. Unfortunately, any strength taken to an extreme becomes a weakness and whole devotion to the Lord became a weakness because they were no longer devoted to the Lord in it. They were devoted to their devotion. But that's another day. The benefit that came from here, though, is that they learned to listen to God and obey Him. And unfortunately, half a millennial later, they couldn't listen to Him. But at this time, they start listening. This time, they do hear Him. And that's what He calls for us to do. That we would listen to Him and obey that we wouldn't listen to the false teachers, the false prophets that are always trying to tell us, oh, this is what God's saying. And God says, no, why aren't you listening to the prophet I've actually sent? Why don't you listen to the guy who's actually doing, saying things that I fulfill? Listen to him. Listen to Jeremiah. What does he want them to do as he calls them to listen to him? What are the plans that he has for them, the, these plans for welfare, not calamity? We see these Uh, earlier in the chapter as he's writing to the exiles in verse 4 the letter says thus says the Lord of hosts the God of Israel to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon let's just focus on the fact that God is not apologizing I sent you don't blame the Babylonians I did this to you let's just think about the world that we live in today. Very easy to blame those crazy people who elect crazy people, right? Oh, if only we got the right people in office, things would be great. Oh, there's these crazy countries in the world. What happens if we are sold into the hands of China someday? What happens if we are sold into the hands of Russia someday? I mean, these are thoughts that to me are just impossible to imagine. But you know what? That might be God's desire. That might be His plan someday for us. It may be another country we haven't even thought of. We might be so focused and so worried about these countries that are right in front of us, we never saw the real danger that's going to come and get us. What then? Oh, there'll be a lot of blame to go around. We can blame the military that's no longer focused on being lethal. We can blame politicians that all they care about seems to be is enriching themselves at 10% of whatever's going on. Insider trading, you name it. But no, God does not apologize. He tells them, I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. It may be the Babylonians that came and did it. It may be they, they are the ones that rounded you up, but I'm the one that enabled them to do it. They're answering my call. And we need to recognize and acknowledge that the things that are going on in the world are under God's control. He is sovereign. We might not agree and we might have a hard time accepting why does God allow wicked people to do things? Well, if we're honest, if we look at ourselves and our own nation, maybe we'll recognize that there's a lot of wickedness in our streets as well. And yet, we can also see God's mercy in the wickedness. You know, you go back to World War II and you think, Hitler could have won. But he was 
He made so many decisions that were not helping him in the war effort. He used so many resources in his attempt to try to exterminate the Jews and the gypsies and anybody that would go along with them. He wasn't single-mindedly focused on victory. Thank God, because he lost. Even in his wickedness, his wickedness was not working to destroy the Jewish people or us, but it ultimately worked to destroy him. And I'm not saying it was a, a morally good thing for the Holocaust to happen, but there's a nation of Israel today in a large part because of it. God works in all things. He is causing them to work together. And we don't understand, and it seems horrible to us, but He is mighty and righteous. And He calls us, and we remember that God desires to bless. And that He calls us to listen and to obey. And so He says, I want to bless you, and I need you to listen to me and obey me, and I've sent you into Babylon to help this happen. And he doesn't apologize. I have sent into exile. He tells them as they're in Babylon, he says in verse 5, build houses, live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and become the fathers of sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there, and do not decrease. He's telling them, as you're going into this time, it is going to be for 70 years, we find out in a little bit in verse 10. He says, while you're in Babylon, build houses. Don't just live in a tent. Don't just live on the street expecting to come home in two years. Build a house. Plant gardens and eat their produce. That, that is something, you know, plan to be here for the long haul. Take a wife. Have kids. Take wives for your sons. And if you have daughters, give them to husbands so that they can have kids. So we're now into the third generation. You're the first generation. I took you out of Jerusalem. Have another generation so that that generation can have another generation. Now, 70 years, if you were brought out of Judea to Babylon, how many of us do you think are going to be returning to Judea in 70 years? Very few. When they built the temple, there were some people who had been there who remembered the previous temple. And they wept to see how small the second temple was compared to Solomon's temple. But the majority of people had no clue. They had never been there. The majority of people that go back to Israel that are there with Nehemiah building the wall, they didn't grow up there. They grew up, they were born in Babylon, and they grew up in Babylon, and then they went home. And they might have been the second generation to be born in Babylon. And their parents may have died in Babylon, never going home. But they were told, build houses, live in those houses, plant gardens and eat their produce Take wives and become fathers to sons and daughters and have another generation and another generation. And beyond that, in verse 7, he tells them, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will have welfare. He, He has plans for their welfare. 
And he says, this is how you're going to be blessed and provided for if you seek the blessing and the the provision of the city that you're in. Just think. You're a Jewish person. You happen to be very focused on uh, your nation. All the other nations, you are the chosen people. All the other nations are outside of God's promise. I mean, we've, we've seen, you, you remember, Jonah would rather die than see a nation repent to God. He, he so badly didn't want, because he knew God was going to forgive him. Oh, he's so good. How dare he forgive my enemies? So Jonah was willing to run away from God. He was willing to die. He hoped to die instead of seeing Nineveh repent. And here you have a bunch of people who probably had similar hearts to Jonah. And God is telling them, plant gardens, live in houses, raise children up, pray to me for the welfare of the city that you're living in. Pray for the welfare of Babylon. Pray that Nebuchadnezzar would be blessed by me. Pray for your neighbors who hate you. Because as they benefit, as they have welfare, you will have welfare. Wow, this is, some, this is some difficult stuff God is calling them to listen to and obey. But God desires to bless them. And here's, here's the thing, is that as God is telling them this, remember, He's going to send them back in th- 70 years, but He's telling them to have children and to have children. The exiles that He is writing to, the people that are being instructed in this letter, they are probably not going to experience the fulfillment of this blessing. The plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Well, they're not going to see that future. They're most likely going to die in Babylon. The blessing that God desires to give them, that blessing is beyond the exile. That blessing is for their children or their children's children. God is calling them to obey Him, not necessarily even for themselves, but for their, their descendants. In fact, the, the word you, the plans that I have for you, it is a second person plural. This is why it's dangerous for us to, to take this and individualize it to ourselves. This was for a group of people. It was a, a promise, a blessing that was corporate for the people. For those that were assembled there, those who had been dragged out of Judea, those who had been marched all the way to Babylon, and their children. They went out naked as spoils of war. Their children will go back freely. Or their grandchildren will go back freely. And he is telling them to believe in something that they might themselves not see. They might not experience. That blessing is beyond the exiles. Are we willing to obey him when we might not even receive the fulfillment of that blessing? That other people, we might sow and other people might reap. Are we still willing to believe and obey It is beyond them. 
But that is, that is what God is saying in verse 11 when He says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not calamity, literally evil. Plans for peace and not evil. It, they're in a spot, they're in a position where it sure feels like evil. It doesn't feel like their welfare is going on. They have experienced calamity. They're going to have to learn how to live in Babylon and their children are going to grow up speaking another language. They'll have to try to teach them all the things from home. Always with the promise and the hope that they're going to return someday in 70 years. But it's beyond them. They have to hold on. They have to believe in Him and trust. And, and, and here's the thing that there were probably a lot of people that thought they were getting the, the, the short end of the stick. They were on the rough side. But much like how uh, Noah had to go into the ark to be saved, he and his family and everybody else was destroyed. Just like the Israelites had to paint the blood of the lamb over the doorposts so that the angel of death would pass over them. The only Israelites who survive the kingdom of Babylon. The only people, let me, let me put it this way, when we show up with Jesus in the Gospels and you have the temple and you have the Israelites and they're living in Judea and they're living in Galilee and then you've got the Samaritans in between them, all of those people are descendants of people who were taken into exile. Anybody who lived in Judea who wasn't taken within 70 years, no longer exist as the people of God. As the tribes of Israel. All the people, I mean, think about it. Which would you rather be? Which, I, would, I would love it if I was the one person who got to stay in Judea and, oh man, I didn't get taken away to Babylon. I get to stay in my home. I get to stay in my own land. And somehow, by God's grace, I was missed. Guess what? It wasn't by God's grace. No, by God's grace, they were taken. Everybody who stayed in Judea. And there were other people in Jeremiah tells them escaped down to Egypt for security. And God specifically said, everybody who went down to Egypt, everybody who stays in Judea, I'm going to destroy them all. By famine, by the sword, by pestilence. None of them are going to remain. None of them. The only people that are the nation of Israel by the time Jesus shows up are those that were taken away in captivity to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. We look at it and we think, wow, that's a bad situation. And it was. But it was a good situation too. They just couldn't see it yet. We might go through certain circumstances and situations that we say, this is a bad situation and it may be bad and yet we don't know that maybe there's some good in it too we don't see what god is working in our lives that's why we have to trust that's why we have to trust and obey as we follow him because ultimately prosperity is not in our circumstances but in the lord our prosperity is not in our jobs in our health, in our homes, in our nation. If we go 
forward when Babylon ceases to exist? The story from Daniel chapter 5. Remember, they had a party. They were eating and drinking. And God came and wrote on the wall. And Daniel interpreted it for the king and said, you have been weighed, you have been measured, and you have been found wanting, and everything you have is going to be taken away from you tonight. They're toasting the gods of gold and silver. They had prosperity. And they were dead by morning. These Israelites, these people from Jerusalem and from Judea, they were taken away with nothing to a land that was not theirs. And they were told, while you're here, make something of it. Seek the prosperity of the place that you're living in. Plant gardens. Have families. Because their prosperity was not going to be in Judea or in their land. But their prosperity was in God. And even though it looked bad to them, He had plans for them. He had plans that were going to benefit their descendants after them. And so it's a good verse for us to remember as we go through difficulty, as we struggle with things, as, as we wonder what direction to go at times. God has plans. He may not have declared them to us like He has to these exiles, but we can trust that He has plans. And they are plans to bless us to, for our welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. That's a good thing to remember, that our, our prosperity, how well things go for us, is not based on our circumstances. It is based on the Lord. And so as you think about family maybe that are going through difficult times, struggles that you face yourself, Consider that those struggles are for your benefit. For God's glory. That He has a purpose and a plan. And our job, our job is to listen to Him and obey Him. To not put our hope in our circumstances, but in God. That's what He is calling us to do as His people. Let's believe the message that he gave to the exiles, let's believe it for ourselves as well. Say this verse with me one last time, shall we? Jeremiah 29.11 For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that it is Your desire to give us a future and a hope. We recognize, Lord, that You have ultimately done that through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That, that You have given us a future. That as we go through our struggles, we know that there is a day coming when Christ will return. There is a day coming when He will set Himself up over all things for all time. We know that there is a day coming when we will see Him face to face that right now we walk and we live based on hope, based on faith, that the day will come when faith will no longer matter because we will see this clearly. 
Lord, we don't know if we're going to be alive at the time that Jesus comes back or if we're going to see Him uh, sooner than that when we die. But we pray, Lord, that we would trust in You for that day. That we would know that there is a future and that we have a hope in Christ. And Lord, we pray that as we struggle through these days, as it feels sometimes like uh, the world is going the wrong direction, denies You outright, does not seek goodness and righteousness, but wickedness at every turn. Lord, we pray that You would help us to see Your work in this. That You are the One who is orchestrating and guiding and directing. That You are working in all these things. That they might work together for our good. Lord, may we trust You and not our circumstances. May we trust You and our prosperity be in You. Not in our country, not in our jobs, not in our health or our lives. Father, we pray if there is anybody here today who doesn't have that kind of faith, that doesn't believe in Jesus Christ and hold on to Him and have a hope for that future, Lord, we pray that they would hear and see the difference of walking with You. That they would believe in Jesus Christ and repent of their sins and trust in You, Lord. We ask these things today in Jesus' name. Amen.